Yo, what's happening, everybody? On today's show, Tennessee and Mizzou got everything started off last night. We're going to give you our key takeaways from their opening season wins. Also, we'll get into previewing SEC Week 1 with Lynn Scarborough of Lindy Sports as he'll join us weekly throughout the season. And we'll go on the record with our SEC picks for the weekend. Locked on SEC starts right now. You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And what's happening, everybody? Welcome to Locked On SEC. It's great to have you guys along. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online, as you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, it's where the game starts. I'm Chris Gordy. Thanks for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day. Remember, Locked On SEC is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube and at LockedOnSEC.com. Let's jump into it. Let's go around the conference. Boots out to the right. Makes the handoff. Around the conference. And we start in Knoxville. As expected, Tennessee absolutely throttling Ball State in their season opener, 59-10. to Hendon Hooker was phenomenal, going 18 for 25, 222 yards, two passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns, five carries for 12 rushing yards. Hendon Hooker was so good, he barely even played much of the second half. They got him out of there. The receivers, they look solid. Cedric Tillman with six catches for 69 yards. Jalen Hyatt had two catches for 28 yards and a score. Walker Merrill had a touchdown. New transfer, Brew McCoy, he was really good with three catches for 42 yards. And Jimmy Holiday showing off his deep threat ability, 53-yard catch and a touchdown. Not sure who the clear-cut number two wide receiver is behind Tillman. Maybe it's McCoy, but all those guys were really good and uh, encouraging for Tennessee moving forward. The run game was really good as well. Jabari Small, 63 rush yards and a score. Jalen Wright and Dylan Sampson were great. Uh, Joe Melton even looked improved. He did let a pass sail on him early, but he was 8 for 9 for 113 yards and a score. And I thought the Tennessee defense looked really solid. Uh, I know if it was Ball State, but you got to take care of business. A couple interceptions from Tamarian McDonald and Kamal Haddon. Uh, overall, it was what you wanted in a season opener in a game like this. A late fumble. When the backups were in, that led to a field goal in the final minutes. But the Vols, uh, they look very good. They were without a couple of players, including linebacker Juwan Mitchell, who should be back very soon. But overall, a big passing grade for the Vols and the Josh Heupel offense picking up right where it left off a year ago. Hendon Hooker still looked like the Hendon Hooker we saw much of last year, firing on all cylinders. Next up for the Vols, a tough road test at Pitt next Saturday. 3.30 3.30 Eastern kickoff on ABC. Pitt, fresh off that wild backyard brawl win with quarterback Keaton Slovis outdueling JT Daniels. So that's uh, going to be a fun one next week with Pitt and Tennessee. Now, as for Missouri, their game with Louisiana Tech was a little bit closer for a while. It's about a, a two-touchdown lead late into the third quarter before the Tigers extended the lead and really pulled away and put this one away. A big offseason addition, true freshman wide receiver Luther Burton. Of course, the five-star, number one receiving prospect in the country. They found ways to get him involved. A couple of catches for 17 yards and a touchdown, and then had a couple of carries for 26 yards and a rushing touchdown. So that's encouraging. It's going to be fun to see how they work Luther Burton in even more as he gets more and more comfortable in this system and uh, getting into more gameplay. Dominic Lovett, he made some nice catches as well. 
The run game was good. Cody Schrader with a, a, a bunch of carries for nearly 70 yards and a touchdown. And then uh, Nathaniel Pete, he had some nice rushing yards and Elijah Young. So run game looked pretty good for Mizzou. And not a bad debut by the quarterback, Brady Cook, as well. Threw for a touchdown, ran for a touchdown, did have an interception on a tip ball. Uh, and I thought the Mizzou defense had some nice plays. They had some not-so-nice plays, too. They did have the three interceptions on Louisiana Tech quarterback Matthew Downing. Did give up a 75-yard touchdown pass in that second quarter, so need to clean that up. But overall, a good opening win for Mizzou. Able to get a lot of guys some game experience, and now they get a very tough road test next weekend at Kansas State. Already set for an 11 a.m. Central kickoff on ESPN2. Some other things going on around the conference. Nick Saban talking, uh, well, what he always does about rat poison. Alabama, of course, plays Utah State on Saturday. And Nick Saban talking about rat poison again, getting his message out to the media. Uh, Nick Saban saying, I think the rat poison this year, not to bring up a sore subject, but it's worse than ever. I've had more people ask me about how we're going to do against Texas this week than how we're going to do against Utah State. Of course, Alabama goes to Austin next week to play the Longhorns and Steve Sarkeesian's group. They got to take care of business to get to Utah State, but let's be honest, a lot of the fan base not really worried about Utah State. Their focus is on going to Texas next week in a tough road game environment. Over at Texas A&M, uh, of course, they just had the number one recruiting class in the nation, and Jimbo Fisher wants to showcase one of their position groups. Talking with the media this week, Jimbo Fisher said in their game on Saturday against Sam Houston State, that he wants all three of his freshman tight ends to see some action. He said, quote, they're going to play. They're in the rotation. Aggies uh, freshman tight ends, Jake Johnson, Donovan Green, Theo Orstrom, all expected to play, all four-star prospects. Johnson, of course, is rated the number one tight end in the group. He's younger brother of Max Johnson, the backup quarterback. But sounds like Max Wright and Blake Smith are healthy. So I guess they're going to play five tight ends. We'll see. Over at Ole Miss, uh, Lane Kiffin has still not announced a starting quarterback between Jackson Dart and Luke Altmyer, but Ole Miss running back Zach Evans says he is not worried in their game against Troy on Saturday. He says his approach will be the same regardless of who is handing the ball off to him. He said, look, we're going to keep pushing. We're all a team. We're going to obviously let Lane and them figure out that side of the ball, but other than that, running backs, we just worry about running backs. we got to mow your own grass, stay in your own lane, keep pushing, stacking your days. So... We'll see if it's Dart or Altmeyer who plays the most of the game against Troy on Saturday for Ole Miss. Over at Florida, Anthony Richardson getting ready for a big showdown against Utah coming into the Swamp Saturday night. And Richardson, a little bit of an issue with injury problems last year, just coming off that offseason knee surgery. He said his focus this year is going to be, quote, on not being a superhero and not taking hits on. So, Richardson, got to take care of his body. Of course, running is a part of his job, but he's got to be safe in taking hits. Now, Billy Napier talked about Anthony Richardson and his involvement with the game plan. He said it's important you have a pulse for what the quarterback likes. Sometimes that's more important than what you think. So Billy Napier kind of deferring to Anthony Richardson on some of the play calling and game plan. We'll see uh, what it looks like on Saturday night. Now, Florida also announced this week their October 15th matchup against LSU is a sellout. This is, of course, Billy Napier's second sellout. First one is going to be Saturday night against Utah. So uh, going to be uh, fun to see a full crowd in the swamp. 
Over at LSU, Brian Kelly still hasn't announced uh, his decision. They made a decision on a starting quarterback. We just don't know what it is. Uh, T-Bob Bear, Baton Rouge radio host and, of course, former offensive lineman for LSU, he said uh, this week, quote, everything I'm seeing out of LSU right now reeks of a two-quarterback system. And we know what they say if you have two quarterbacks. This really is a prime case of why reputation and brand matters. Bear went on to say he's giving Kelly the benefit of the doubt because of what he's accomplished and what his resume looks like. But still, I'd expect to see both Jaden Daniels and Garrett Nussmeyer on Sunday night against Florida State. Who starts? Probably going to be Jaden Daniels, but like I said, I think we'll see both guys. Meanwhile, some good recruiting news yesterday for Brian Kelly. Offensive lineman Zalance Heard out of state of Louisiana committing to LSU. Six foot five, 300 pounds, number nine offensive tackle in the class of 2023. He's a four-star prospect on 24-7 Sports, announced this commitment on YouTube. He gives LSU their 22nd commitment in this class, which currently ranks as the seventh best class in the nation. Over at Vanderbilt, Clark Lee making a tough announcement with a couple of guys that were dismissed. Freshman Daniel Martin and Maurice Edwards. Lee said in a statement announcing the news uh, that a strong ecosystem will undoubtedly strengthen our program's performance on and off the field. Now, Daniel Martin was a four-star linebacker, the number 23 linebacker in the country. Edwards was a three-star running back, the number 15 player from the state of Illinois. Clark Lee said, with respect to what it means moving forward, this program is going to be fine. We're not defined by any one person in the program. We've got a lot of guys in the locker room that we can lean on and step up moving forward. So some interesting news out of there. Vanderbilt, Daniel Martin was a guy a lot of folks were raving about throughout the offseason at Vandy. Thank you guys again for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. Coming up next, our conversation with Lynn Scarborough from Lindy Sports. You don't want to miss that. Before we get to that, first guys, going to ask you, are you one of those people who thinks it's okay to drive stoned? What's the worst that can happen? You end up driving below the speed limit? It's no big deal, right? Wrong. The truth is your reaction time slows way down when you're high, you not only put yourself in danger, but everybody around you. Talk about a buzzkill. Stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high, get a DUI. The message from our friends over at NHTSA. And a good message uh, for drinking and driving or using uh, marijuana. This time of year, not a good idea. Lynn Scarborough, coming your way next. Going along here, Locked On SEC, getting you guys ready for week one of the SEC Slade. And one of our favorite guests are joining us throughout the football season. He's back with us, joined now by... Lynn Scarborough of Lindy Sports, and we're going to get his picks on some of the games happening this weekend. Lynn, good to talk with you, man. Um, how are you? I'm doing great, guys. Glad to glad to get another season of uh, having a having a Lindy segment on with y'all. Hey, and I want to tell you that you know on our Lindy's Football Report, we're starting our tenth season, and I, I remember uh, talking to Chris probably eight years ago or something about you know trying to expand the network. Well, this is our our 10th season, guys, we've got 112 affiliates. So uh, we've been really blessed with the network. But I, I do have to pick an upset of the week every week. And I, I want to go ahead and tell you, my pick this week is not Rice. Hey, let me tell you, they will <laughs> they will rip up that contract for Lincoln Riley if they lose to Rice <laughs> in this first game. <laughs> yeah, we, 
wouldn't that be a hell of a note if they, if they could win that game? Well, I don't think that's going to happen, Lynn, but USC should handle up on Rice. Let's get to the SEC games this weekend. In your mind, is there an upset Is there an upset you could see happening this weekend when it comes to uh, the week one games in the, uh, in the SEC? I'm going to tell you what I'm going to pick. And, I, and in my gut, I'm not, I'm not sold on it. But I'm going to pick Florida to beat Utah. And it's and it's a, it's an it's an interesting matchup. We had a lot of interesting things. This is a former Urban Meyer team playing a former Urban Meyer team, and it's starting at uh, at Gainesville. And I'm not sold on Florida this year, but here's their deal: they open up with Utah, who we have ranked number seven in the country, and almost everybody has a right to uh, to win the Pac-12, and. They, but Florida gets them at home, and the next week, Florida gets Kentucky at home, yep. who is my dark horse for the for the Eastern Division. Um, and Kentucky's a very good team on paper. Kentucky's better than Florida, and Kentucky beat Florida last year. Well, if if Florida could could open up two and zero, knocking off Utah and Kentucky, forget the fact it's at home, it'd be anywhere. Then this could be a great start for Coach Napier, and and Florida could could be a lot better than, than Lindy's and everybody else thinks. On the other hand, Florida could start off 0-2, having lost both of their games at home. And then if you look at Florida's schedule the rest of the year, and I don't have it in front of me, but I believe they play at LSU, at Texas A&M. Uh, I don't remember where they played Tennessee. They get, uh, they get uh, Georgia, you know, in Jacksonville, supposedly a neutral, a neutral site. Um, yeah, they, know, Florida, host, they, host, they, if, they host LSU, but they play at Tennessee – at, uh, at Georgia Tennessee. or at A and M, and then the Georgia game in Jacksonville, yeah, right. And, and of course, but it, but you know they don't play they don't play uh, they don't play Alabama, don't play Auburn, don't play Arkansas. But but still, if they lose those first two games, guys, they're going to be lucky to beat six and six. And well, and it's uh, it's almost like the wheels could be off in Gainesville uh, before they really get the race going. On the other hand, if they've won those first two ball games, uh, they're going to be a ranked team. And if they can if they can beat those two teams, they theoretically could beat anybody. Let, let me so ask it's going to be real interesting to see what the two Urban Meyer teams do against each other. Let me ask you, Lynn. Uh, I always like the ranked on ranked uh, games to open the season, and we got a couple of them. And I'm yep. a, a little disappointed that both these games are being played at the same time. Two thirty Central kickoff on uh, on Saturday afternoon, but it's number eleven Oregon against number three Georgia in the Mercedes Benz Stadium. And then Arkansas, that team that everybody keeps looking at, they keep taking steps forward every year. They're playing Cincinnati, who was just in the playoff. Obviously, they got a yep. new new quarterback and new pieces, but two ranked on ranked games both happening at the same time. Which one intrigues you more? Yeah, well, I think Georgia and Oregon uh, does, but there's a there's a, a great angle on that. Is that Georgia? You know, while while you had the best defense in the country last year, but they lost a lot of guys on defense. I did a, a interview with a couple of them to do a feature for that Georgia National Championship edition that we did. Well, the starting quarterback for Oregon's Bo Nix, and Bo Nix has played in that in that facility. I know twice, uh, uh, and um, and he also uh, has played against Georgia three times. And so this isn't a deal where the the Oregon quarterback is going to come in awed by Georgia. Now he got beat all three times. But he knows their offensive coordinator. He knows their players. Probably played with some of their players, and so it's going to be interesting to see. If here's the deal: if Georgia doesn't lose to Oregon, which I don't think they're going to do, I'm going to pick Georgia to win. But if if Bo Nix and uh, and uh, the Oregon guys can't can't pull that off, 
I don't see Georgia losing a game. I mean, look down their schedule, Chris. If you got it in front of you, find me a, find me a game they're going to lose. They don't play Alabama. Uh, they don't. I don't think they play Texas A and M. Um, they get Auburn at home. Um, I don't. I don't see Georgia losing a ball game. I think so the, I the think at this, Kentucky this, game, the second to last game of the season, is is that's an interesting spot because what's Kentucky look it, like? Oh, at that oh point? it is an interesting spot. Yeah, because like again, Georgia, uh, Kentucky, Kentucky is my is my dark horse. Look at Kentucky's schedule. They play Youngstown State. They play a couple of uh, MAC teams. One of them, I don't think, won the three ball games. And they play Louisville at home. And Louisville, uh, you had another losing season last year. That's four. Uh, uh, they almost have to give away the games to lose those four. Then they don't play the, the two teams they play from the Western Division are the Mississippi teams. Now, now both of the Mississippi teams are, are better than what they have been some years, but they don't play Alabama, Auburn, LSU, Texas A&M, Arkansas, and they get Mississippi State at home. So they play the two Mississippi teams, one of them at home, uh, and four non-conference ball games that they could win with their second string. And so, um, I, and then Levis is an outstanding quarterback, and the and the leading rushing quarter. I'm not saying he's the best running back in the league. There are two or three I might take over him, but Tank Tank Bigsby at Auburn is not the leading running back in the conference. It's Rodriguez from Kentucky. So they've got the they've got the leading returning rusher in the conference. They got Levis, who a lot of folks are saying could be a first round draft source in the NFL. And they've got confidence. You know, they've been winning nine and ten games. They're, this isn't the Kentucky team that goes out and says, man, when can we start basketball? There was the argument, you know, between uh, uh, Calipari and, uh, and Stoops about, you know, is this a basketball school still or is this a, like Auburn kids and everything school? And, uh, you know, the football team can make a case. Of, you know, f- football uh, did pretty good last year in comparison to how basketball did. And so I, I think Kentucky's a very dangerous team. The game, guys, that, that I think is going to show who's the real dark horse is going to be played in Oxford, Mississippi, uh, in about the fourth or fifth week when Kentucky goes to Ole Miss. Because I think Ole Miss's schedule also uh, leans favorable toward them. question is going to be, what's Jackson Dart going to do at quarterback? You know, you're replacing Matt Corral with uh, somebody that was a starting quarterback at Southern Cal. And so let's see what Jackson Dart's going to do. I, I like Ole Miss and I like Kentucky. All right, hang right there, Lynn. We'll uh, get into a little bit more with you in just a second. More Locked on SEC after this. All right, roll along here, Locked On SEC. We are uh, continuing our conversation with the great Lynn Scarborough, Lindy Sports. Let me ask you, Lynn, uh, Texas A&M, they, uh, they announced Haynes King as a starter again for the second year in a row. Obviously got injured just two games in the season last year, but they opened with Sam Houston this weekend. Appalachian State, pretty good, you know, mid, you know, mid-opponent. And then you get Miami, who's the top... 20 team coming into Kyle Field in week three. Sets up kind of well for them, right, to kind of have these two tune-up games to get ready for Miami. Agree totally. Agree totally. And I, I like I like A&M to win all three of those ball games. Um, and, you know, App- Appalachian State's good, obviously. I mean, look, at they play uh, North Carolina this weekend. I've seen one line that has Appalachian State actually favored uh, to beat North Carolina, and that's with, with Carolina already having played a game. Uh, so that's a, it's a good program, but they're not going to go to Cal Field and beat A&M. Or at least I, I certainly don't believe so. And, um, uh, and I, and I like, I, I'm not sold. I'm not sold on Miami. I mean, I'm not 100% sold on A&M, although we've got them ranked number five in the country. 
but but I I think Jimbo obviously has moved him in the right direction. I, I think I think too much is being made over this uh, fracas during the off season between Saban and uh, and and Jimbo. Uh, I think you know a lot of that came over the recruiting and the uh, NIL, and you know we could spend an hour's time just talking about the NIL and what its uh, what its ramifications have been, and and you know it's a, it's a nice concept, but I think guys, as with most everything, whether it's in politics or government or you know economics or whatever, and especially sports, sometimes things that seem like a good idea if you just think about them in theory. Uh, the devil, the devil's in the details, and sometimes things are instituted before they actually consider the potential fallout. And I think uh, name, image, likeness is one of those. I think transfer portal is one of those. And I, I think the way that teams are, that conferences are realigning, uh, is is one of those. And I think you know we've got three things simultaneously happening that are. Uh, of of earthquake magnitude, and they're all happening at the same time with NIL transfer portal and conference realignment, and that's all stuff that that doesn't even get you to the playing field. That's just things that are you know non non playing, but they so much affect the play because name image likeness is 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 becoming a factor in when players go to school. And then look at the SEC. I know we don't have time to do it now, but look at the guys that are likely to start at quarterback for the SEC teams, it's possible that a majority of the starting quarterbacks in the Southeastern Conference would, within the past season, certainly the last two seasons, uh, have been starting for another team, and in some cases starting for another Southeastern Conference team. And, you know, you've got, you've got to connect the dots. You've got JT Daniels that was at Southern Cal but then went to Georgia, but now he's at uh, West Virginia – and you got uh, uh, Caleb Williams, who was at Oklahoma, who now is at Southern Cal, and and he's at Southern Cal. So Jackson Dart from Southern Cal is in Mississippi. And talking of Oklahoma quarterbacks, you got uh, Spencer Rattler going to be starting for South Carolina. Uh, so you know, and you can just and and I think the quarterback for Southern for uh, Central Florida is going to be starting at quarterback for Oklahoma. You know, you need a computer and a uh, you, you know to keep up with who's where. And there's people like Lindy's that are having to make predictions on who's going to win what, uh, you know, three months ago uh, when you don't even know where players are going to be playing, much less uh, who's going to be starting where. And it's just uh, it's made things really difficult for the fans, for the people in sports journalism, for the, uh, for the coaches, uh, it's because we didn't, we didn't used to have it where you could just run from one school to another anytime you wanted to. You know, how many players, and the answer to this is several, uh, how many players are going to be playing for their third college football team this year in a, in a in really, and some of them in a three-year period? Several of them are. Same with basketball, guys. We did our basketball magazine last week. College basketball magazine is at the printer, uh, as, is, uh, as is our NBA magazine. And the uh, college basketball is impacted about as much as college football on the, uh, on the transfer portal thing. He is Lynn Scarborough. Lynn, great stuff as always, man. Uh, great to talk with you and uh, enjoy the games this weekend, all right? Hey, guys, yeah. Same for y'all, too, and I'll be pulling for rice. <laughs> okay, thanks, Lynn. I, I might have to check out that uh, that Rice-USC game now. All right, before we get out of here, let me give you uh, our official picks for the SEC games happening this weekend, and let's pull it up. Obviously, I don't think a whole lot of people are in danger of upsets, but – Utah State, uh, these are the latest odds and lines from Bet Online. 
We're going to take Utah State plus the 41. Look, I think Alabama wins big, but I think the backdoor cover is in play here. I think Alabama's up something like 52 to 7 or something like that. Utah State gets a late score, and they cover the 41. It's a lot of points. Look, somebody gives you 41, you take it. So we'll take Utah State plus the 41. Cincinnati at Arkansas. Going to take Arkansas minus the 6. Uh, again, these are the latest lines from Bet Online. It may be changed by the time you're listening to this, but we're going to take Arkansas minus the six as the home favorite against Cincinnati. We're going to take Florida and the points at home against Utah. I think Florida uh, keeps it close, and I think Florida pulls off the upset. We're going to take Florida in a home win against Utah. Would be a great start to the Billy Napier era in Gainesville. I'm going to take Oregon plus the 17 and a half against Georgia. I still think Georgia wins. But I think this one's a little bit closer than folks think. Again, could be a, an idea where Oregon scores a late touchdown to cover those points. Um, you know, even if Georgia wins by 17, Oregon's still covering the 17 and a half. So give me Oregon those points, but I think Georgia wins and proves to want to know. Uh, Kentucky, I'm going to take them minus the 17 against Miami of Ohio. I think uh, they're out to prove that Will Levis is the guy that can uh, score a lot of touchdowns this year. And so... I think Kentucky's going to try to go for a big number, and I think they cover the 17. Ole Miss, I went back and forth on this. I had some people telling me Troy is a team that can maybe hang with Ole Miss for a while. That may be true, but it's Lane Kiffin. He's going to want to put up a crooked number, and they're going to pull away late, and Ole Miss is going to cover that 21-and-a-half point spread. I like Mississippi State to cover the 15-and-a-half against Memphis. I think Memphis was a good team last year. They lose some pieces, maybe not as strong and Mississippi State, I think, with Will Rogers back in yet another year experienced in the Mike Leach system, I think Mississippi State covers the 15-and-a-half. I think South Carolina will cover the 13 against Georgia State. Here's another one where people have said Georgia State's a very good team. Maybe hang with South Carolina at least through the first half. But again, another one where I think Carolina and Spencer Rattler pull away late and South Carolina covers the 13 and then I'm going to take LSU minus the three on Sunday night against Florida State. I know the questions with the quarterback at LSU, but we know Kayshawn Booty is a talented wide receiver. we got some pieces on that defense in B.J. Ojolari and Ali Gay. And I think LSU wins a close one with Florida State. My prediction all week has been LSU 24-21. Some LSU fans think, ah, they're going to put it on them. Keep in mind, this LSU program is not where it typically is. They've a transition period. Brian Kelly's going to be a good head coach down the road for them, but right now with what you have on this roster, I don't know if it's enough to pound the start out of Florida State. So I think LSU covers the three or at least pushes in my prediction, 24-21, but uh, look, probably safe bet for LSU to cover that line. And that is our official week one picks here on Locked on SEC. That's going to do it for this edition. Man, you guys go out there, enjoy the games on Sunday. It's going to be a fun, fun weekend of football. Look, some of the games not as great. Look, Auburn Mercer uh, didn't have a line on that one. I, th- I think Auburn wins big. I think TJ Finley looks really good. So uh, enjoy your game, even if you're beating the snot out of a cupcake. And we'll recap it all on Monday with our winners and losers of the weekend. Keep it locked right here at Locked on SEC. Make sure you're subscribed, listening to the podcast version, or checking us out on YouTube with the video version of the show. And, again, have a great weekend. Be safe, everybody. We'll talk to you on Monday. I'm Chris Gordy. Thank you guys for making 
Locked on SEC, your first listen every day. Now you can go make your second listen. Check out the Ultimate Pro Football Preview, an eight-episode extravaganza to get you ready for the NFL season. Local team experts of the Locked On Podcast Network, plus a betting angle from Lee Sterling of Locked On Bets, all combining into one Ultimate NFL Preview. Search for Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022 on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, before we go, Nick Saban at his coach's show, Nick Saban already in mid-season form going at reporters already. Enjoy. We'll talk to you guys on Monday. And um, so I encourage everybody to be positive and, um, you know, create a legacy for what we want to do this season. And you contribute to it in a positive way. All right, not in what I read these guys write all the time. All right, about, all right, who can, how, how can Alabama run the table? I mean, well, can't you figure out something better to do than that? I mean, come on. We've we, we, we got to play one game at a time, all right? So how can Alabama lose to this team? How can this team beat Alabama three months from now? Who gives a shit? I mean, how about this game? How about the church of what's happening now, all right, like now? Can we focus on what's happening now? How come no one's interested in that? Why, why do we have to go all the way? Anyway, 